we're going to be looking this morning at 1 Peter chapter 5, picking up with verse 8, reading through the end of the book. This is God's word. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Sylvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, so, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to all, to you all who are in Christ. It is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. We pray your blessing now upon this time together in it, that you would open our hearts to receive it, that you would uh, bless us as we uh, go through it. We pray that you would be our teacher, our helper, that the Holy Spirit would move among us to show us the truth of your word, and that your word again would point us to Jesus our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. My focus in this last section of First Peter has been on what I've been calling uh, the victorious Christian life. As I'm identifying from this passage four specific things that I think Peter gives us and that will help us live our lives before God with a greater sense of victory. Now, these are not extraordinary things. These are not uh, things of miracles or demonstrations of great power. They're not uh, exceptional outbursts of emotion or demonstrable acts of faith. No, they're simply acts of obedience. Last week we saw two of those keys. Keys to experiencing victory in your life. And one of those was uh, to be humble. To be humble. It is as you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And humble yourself before each other. That you can experience a real sense of victory in your life. Pride, as we saw, gets in the way of God's work. Pride goes before a fall. Humility gives us the ability to submit ourselves to God's good providence in our lives. And it gives us the grace to be able to serve one another just as Jesus served us. So the first key was to be humble. The second key was to be trustful. We saw in uh, verse 7 that Peter admonishes us to cast all our anxiety upon God because he cares for you. Isn't that a great verse? Isn't that a great truth? You can really cast all of it, every bit of it, 
on the Lord because you know that God cares for you. God cares about you. God cares about the things you care about. You can give it all to God. And He will take care of it for you because God cares for you. Well, that brings us to the other two keys to victorious Christian living that we find in this text, and they're in verses 8 through 11 in particular. And the first of uh, those this morning is to be watchful. Be watchful. You know, the people of God have always been admonished to watch and to guard uh, their lives. You know, before the children of uh, Israel entered the promised land, Moses told them, you watch. Watch yourself. And they were to watch themselves for two specific reasons. One, they were to watch that they didn't fall into the ways of the Canaanites. Because the temptation to do that was going to be so great. And the other thing they were to watch was that they not forget all that God had done for them. When they came into this land flowing with milk and honey and they experienced prosperity like they had never experienced before, they were to watch. They were to watch and make sure they didn't forget how they got there and who brought them there. The book of Proverbs tells us to watch over our hearts and, and, and to watch the paths of our feet. Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray. And then he admonished them, remember? He rebuked them because they couldn't even watch for one hour. The Apostle John tells us the same thing. He says, watch yourselves. Well, why are we to be so watchful? As believers, why is that to be a concern to us? It's to be a concern to us because there is a real danger to our souls. And that danger comes from the devil. Look at the end of verse 8. Excuse me. Yeah, that's right, end of verse 8. Where he says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now that one sentence tells us a whole lot about the danger that's out there to our souls. And I want us to look for a few moments at what Peter says about that danger. He calls him in the text, your adversary, the devil. If you turn that around and make a statement out of it, it is, the devil is your adversary. The Greek word for, for the devil is the word diabolos, which means the accuser. A malicious enemy who slanders or who attacks. Three times Jesus calls the devil the ruler of this world. Showing the great power that he has. And notice the personal way Peter puts it here in verse 8. He is called your adversary. He's not just an adversary. He's not even just the adversary. He is your adversary. The devil is the adversary. He is the enemy of your soul. And look at how the text describes the devil's activity. It says that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now don't miss that the Bible compares the devil 
to a lion, I would suppose a mountain lion, one of the fiercest, most dangerous animals in the forest. If you were out in the woods where mountain lions live, and you came across one, what would you do? First of all, you would be afraid. And the second is, you would get away as fast as you could. You would avoid the danger. And, and folks, that's what Peter says the devil is. He's like a roaring lion. And he is on the prowl. He is looking. He is on the hunt. And he's looking for someone whom he can devour. He's not looking just to trip you up. He's not looking just to make your life miserable. The devil is looking to, to inflict a fatal blow upon you. He's looking for someone whom he can devour. Well, who can the devil devour? It's those who aren't watchful. And that's why this admonition is so Important, where in the first part of this verse, he says, be of sober spirit and be on the alert. Be of sober spirit and be on the alert. That is your protection against this enemy of your soul. To be of sober spirit means to have all your faculties together. We know what not to be sober physically entails. To be sober spiritually means that you can think about things. You, you're alert to things. You have good judgment about things. And to be on the alert just means exactly what it says. It just means to be awake, aware, to be aware of the danger that is out there. You know, Kerry was talking about in Sunday school about how we're so, such a distracted people. Have so so much to distract us today. All our our gadgets and all of our devices, things that kind of consume our our thoughts and our our activities. You, know, you you can hardly go down the road and see someone who's not talking on their cell phone. Or someone having something in their hands, going like this. You know, it's just it's just the way we are. We're distracted. And, and if you're focused on that, folks, you're not alert to, to all the dangers there are out there. And we're all guilty of that. I've got a smartphone. It's a lot smarter than I am. I'm real dumb compared to my phone. But you know, it's distracting. It, 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 it takes us away from a real sense of being sober and alert about what really matters in life. And that's the admonition Peter gives us here. Be sober and be on the alert. And look what he says our activity is to be, how we're to deal with him, verse 9. We're to resist him. To resist simply means to, to push away, not to, to give the devil an opportunity. It's interesting that in the book of uh, Philippians, Paul says it exactly that way. Do not give the devil an opportunity. 
James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's really how it works. If you give the devil an opportunity to crack the door, he's going to come rushing in full force. But if you resist him, the devil will flee. The truth is, the devil's a coward. Because the devil knows that he has an enemy. And the enemy is Christ and, and the truth of the gospel. And when the devil comes up against the power and the authority of the Word of God, he knows he can't stand, and he will flee. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And notice what Peter says about resisting him. He says, resist him firm in your faith. Now, in my Bible, the word your is in italics. That means it's not there in the Greek. There is a definite article there in the Greek. Literally it reads, firm in the faith. The faith. What is the faith? The faith is that in which we believe. And that on which we stand. And that which, to which we are committed. This is the content of our faith. And what we believe. And if you're going to resist the devil, you've got to do it firm in the faith of the truth of God's word. How did Jesus do it? Remember? When Jesus was in the wilderness and the Satan came to him three times and gave him those three temptations, every time Jesus quoted from the faith. He quoted from the word of God. Resist the devil, firm in your faith. And James goes on to say, and he will flee from you. Notice that Peter goes on to say some, something encouraging. And that is that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Sometimes when you face a particular temptation, you think, well, I'm the only one in the world who's ever gone through this. I'm the only one who's ever experienced this particular uh, temptation. But uh, Peter makes it clear that no matter what you face, no matter what you have to endure, that you are not alone. You know, we're to resist the devil. It says, firm in our faith. Firm in the faith. I would hate to think that um, my ability to resist the devil depended on the strength of my faith. I'm encouraged to know that I have the strength of the faith with which to withstand the onslaughts of the evil one. It is I, as I walk in the truth, as I live in the truth, and I abide in the truth, that I'm able to resist the temptations of the devil. Remember what David said? He asked the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? The answer is, by keeping it according to what? According to your word. What else did David say? Thy word I have hid in my heart. Why? So I might not sin against you. So what's the point? The point is that if you're going to live a victorious Christian life. You're going to, live to experience some sense of victory in your life. You've got to realize who the enemy is. You've got to realize that the devil is real. And the devil is the adversary. He is the enemy of your soul. 
He is prowling around looking for someone like you to devour. And if you're not watchful, you're not careful, you don't resist him, firm in the faith, you'll stumble and you'll fall. But if you depend upon God's word, if you resist the devil through the scriptures, you can find real victory in that area of your life. Then there's another key uh, still yet in this text, and that is if you're going to experience victory in your life, you have to be hopeful. Hopeful. Isn't hope a wonderful thing? You know, hope is what keeps us going, isn't it? And the truth is, when we lose hope, we experience despair. When hope is gone, our purpose for living is gone. People who have no hope for the future are sad people because they have come to the place of despair in their lives. You know, the Bible gives us great hope. You know, the Bible gives us hope that there's something better than this. Something greater than anything we're experiencing in this life. And we know that we have the victory in Jesus. And then when we die, we'll go to heaven. And that we will be with him forever. We have that assurance. And that is what the Bible gives us is our great hope. And hope sustains us. Hope sustains us. You know, Job went through some enormous trials and tribulations. And those experiences of trial were temptations for Job to doubt God and to give up on his faith in God. And remember, that's exactly what his his wife told him to do. His wife said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just give up hope? And yet Job's response was this. Though he slay me, though God slay me, yet will I hope in him. David said the same thing. You know, David went some hard, through some hard things too. And you read through the Psalms, and what David sometimes is in the depths of despond. And yet David said to God, my hope is in you. Paul said that our faith is in Christ and he called Christ the hope of glory. Earlier in this book, in chapter 1, we saw that Peter says that we're born again to a living hope. The writer of Hebrews calls that hope an anchor for the soul. Hope. Sometimes hope's all we have. And Peter concludes this letter by holding before us this great hope we have in Christ. We find it in verses 10 and 11. Now I want you to remember, uh, historically, those to whom Peter was writing this letter was people who were suffering for their faith. People who were enduring harsh and severe persecution because of their commitment to Christ, trusting in Jesus, living for Jesus, serving Jesus, 
was a dangerous proposition for them. The great persecution of Nero was about to begin. And again, we can't hardly describe the the horror of that experience for believers. Their temporal circumstances as believers in Christ were not encouraging. And so Peter reminds them as he concludes this letter of the great hope that we have in Christ. And as I finish this study of this great book, I want us to I want to point out to you four aspects of this hope. And one aspect is that suffering is just for a limited time. All suffering is temporary. Notice how Peter puts it, verse 10. After you've suffered, he says, for a little while. The Bible always presents things from the perspective of eternity. We look forward to an eternity in heaven. Now, eternity is so long, we can't even grasp how long that is. We are creatures of time and space. And it is hard for us to imagine life away from those limitations. And yet, the reality from the Bible is that whatever suffering we experience here is just for a little while. Paul calls it momentary light affliction that produces in us an eternal weight of glory. In comparison to the glory, the eternal glory that God has in store for us, whatever suffering we experience here is momentary and light. Now I know sometimes it doesn't seem that way. The hours and the days can be long when we're going through hard times or difficult experiences. And yet when we look at it from the perspective of eternity, we realize that no matter how long it is here, it's brief. It's for a little while compared to the eternal glory that we'll share with Christ forever. And that's what Peter tells us in the middle of verse 10. He's called us to his eternal glory in Christ. And so you must always weigh the sufferings, the trials, the tribulations of this life with the eternal glory that we'll experience in heaven. So part of the hope is that it's just brief for a little while. The second aspect of this hope is that no matter what you go through, God's grace will sustain you. Let me say that again. If you were kind of dozing off there for just a moment. No matter what you are going through, God's grace will sustain you. Notice how Peter calls God, or what Peter calls God, how Peter refers to God here in verse 10. He is the God of all grace. Grace is God's help to needy people. 
And whatever grace you need, whatever help you need, God will provide it. Because God is the God of all grace. And God gives us grace according to our need at the very moment that we need it. You see, it's not only God's grace that saves us, but it's also God's grace that sustains us. It's not grace that only that brings us to salvation, but it's grace that keeps us moving along day by day in our sanctification, living through whatever it is God brings us. All God, all grace comes from God, and we must look to Him for it. Then there's a third aspect of this hope. And that is God will use whatever it is you're going through, whatever trials, tribulations you're facing, as a means of sanctification in your life. Notice that Peter says at the end of verse 10, that God will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, God, as a God of grace, uses every detail of your life to mold you and to shape you and to make you into what he wants you to be. The blessing might not be the blessing you're looking for. The blessing might be greater holiness, deeper obedience, deeper trust, more earnest commitment, more zeal. Many times God uses physical affliction and physical trials to bring spiritual transformation and change. And so the question is to ask when you're facing a hard time in your life is what is God's purpose in this for me? How is God using this to make me more like Jesus? What is God trying to accomplish in my life through this experience through which he's bringing me? And many times the answer is simply this. The Lord is using this in my life to perfect, to confirm, to strengthen, and to establish me in my faith. And then there's one more aspect of this hope. And that is your life. The totality of it is to bring glory to God. Notice how he ends this section in verse 11. Where he says to him, that is to Christ, be dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is to be the ultimate driving force of each one of our lives. That Christ would have dominion, glory, honor, forever and ever, and that our lives would reflect it, and that our lives would give him the glory and the praise that he is due. And sometimes God brings you a, through a hard thing simply so you can reflect his glory. Because you see, as you rely upon his grace, that's what you do. When you say, I can't do this myself, but I can do it through Christ who strengthens me, that gives glory to God. 
When someone comes to you and wonders about how in the world you're able to deal with whatever it is you're going through, and you say, it is the Lord who is helping me in this. It is, that is giving glory to Him. To Him. That is to be the, the focus of your life. To Him be dominion and honor and glory and praise forever and ever. Now, Peter does give us a few closing words, personal words, in verses 12 through 14. He, he commends when he calls my faithful brother Sylvanus. Sylvanus apparently was his amanuensis, his secretary. Paul used one. You know, Paul had poor eyesight, and we believe Paul dictated his letters to someone who would write them for him and it appears Peter used Sylvanus in this way. He said, I've written to you through Sylvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him. And then he said he gives us the, the basic purpose he had for this letter. And it was to testify of the grace of God and to encourage them to stand firm. And then there are some personal words and I'll avoid dealing with verse fourteen where we're to greet one another with a kiss of love. Oh, that just means we're supposed to love each other. You know, it's interesting, the end of this letter, where Paul, Peter deals with so much, he says, you know, don't forget to love each other. Greet one another in loving ways. Loving ways. But what I want you to remember from last week and this week, are these four keys experiencing some sense of victory in your life. Be humble. Be trustful. Be watchful. And be hopeful. Humility. Faith. Vigilance. And hope. Those are four important keys to experiencing real victory in your life. May God give it to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we pray that we would be victorious Christians as we live before you obediently, humbling ourselves before you, trusting you with every detail of our lives, watching against the onslaughts of the evil one, and being hopeful of the great hope we have of eternal glory in heaven with Christ. Encourage us with these things we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.